0: Welcome to Big Questions with Cal Fussman. Our guest today is Damon John from Shark Tank, an author of the new book, Rise and Grind. He and his book have arrived at just the right time. Little background, Damon grew up in Queens, New York, and as a young guy... He sewed 80 hats, and on an Easter day in the 1980s, he sold them all out within an hour for 800 bucks. That hour has led to a $6 billion company, FUBU, and propelled him to become star of the TV show Shark Tank. And, uh uh-oh, after our conversation, you'll see why I may never look the same in fact, he asked me to see myself in a completely new way. Damon believes I can get the most out of myself by writing my own obituary. More on that later. We're going to get right to it and some of his other advice. But as long as we're talking about creating a new look, let me tell you that I'm in the process of doing just that with Squarespace. Hard to imagine that a guy like me would ever end up in a photo shoot. But Squarespace enables you to make your website so personal, unique, and beautiful that you're going to want to put your best face forward. Go to squarespace.com, enter the offer code FUSMAN, F-U-S-S-M-A-N, F-U-S-S-S-M-A-N, and receive 10% off your website or domain name. Kevin, the manager, did, and he's never looked better. Squarespace. And if you need some help on hiring for your business, let me remind you where to go ZipRecruiter. Type in slash fussman, F U S S M A N, and you'll get a free trial. And of course, doesn't cause anything to register as a job candidate, you're going to hear why both Damon and I feel so attached to ZipRecruiter. And trust me on this, because he uses his site to get candidates for his own business. And if my new clothing line ever grows to six billion bucks, did I just say those words? My poor wife, when she hears them, She's probably gonna faint. But if I ever grow my new custom line of clothing to six billion bucks, I'm gonna be using ZipRecruiter a lot. Welcome to Big Questions, the People Shark. Damon John, man, I like that. I
1: like the way that sounds. Ding, 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 ding. All right,
0: ready to go. So I'm looking at your book here, Rise and Grind. Yep. And well, I got your first book,
1: Power of Broke. Which... Actually, Power of Broke is my third. Oh, the third book, and Rise and Grind is my fourth. fourth. Yeah.
0: Man, I got to yeah. go back and get the first two.
1: No, you know I I, I I think I think these two are the most powerful ones. You know, I started to find my groove and, and get a lot more savvy in regards to what needed to be answered out there. The, two, the first two are great for different reasons, though. The first two was the Damon John that people may not have known on Shark Tank because Shark Tank wasn't out yet. And that was the one telling about my life story and my philosophies called display of uh, power, which is we all have the same power underneath our hoods. But when are you going to tap into it? The second one was and is the book called "The Brand Within" because I started noticing people coming on the Shark Tank and they didn't realize that they're a personal brand before anything else, and I want I wanted to break that down. But these start getting deeper into okay, how can you use these methods, whether it's the Power of Broke or whether it's the Rise and Grind, the work ethic, to be stronger. So I, I really love these two. The first one, if you know me on Shark Tank, you know me now. You know,
0: I got it. Well, the interesting thing about the Power of Broke is if you look at my copy, there's just underlying passages, stars. I
1: I, I get so proud when I see that. I love it. I love it.
0: And my question is, I noticed when I went back over the power broke, on page five you referenced rise and grind. Yeah. So that's been in your head for a long time.
1: That mantra has been in my life for many, many years as a kid, you know, and whether it whether it showed itself in different ways like, you know, Fred the Baker with time to make the donuts or rise and grind. It was always the theory of you got to outwork and out hustle people. You better get up before everybody else because when they all get up, then you're just one of the same, you know.
0: So what was the moment that you determined, OK, there's going to be this book, Rise and Grind?
1: So... You know, about two years ago, I was looking at, I was on Shark Tank for eight years and, um, and you know and i have all these great partners and and companies i've been investing in but of course you know your bandwidth and your time you start to get spread really thin you know with you know 40 or 6 or 80 companies you got to take care of or uh, work with um and then i had a 2 year old uh, i'm a, a new dad again you know i i have a 23 uh, 24 and a 19 year old and then all girls I, right all girls right God's bless me with, with 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 all girls uh, you know and um a new marriage, and a lot of other things. And I was saying to myself, I need some productivity tips because I'm now juggling a lot of different things, you know, than before when I was just doing food. I have speaking, engagement, I have a lot of other stuff. And I said, let me start talking to a couple of people to hear some great tips. And I think it was Barbara um, who gave me some tips initially. And I said, I like the way that she was solving some problems. Let me go out and talk to other people. So I started speaking to other people, and I said, wait a minute. Everybody's telling me almost the same thing, but they execute them in a different way. And other people need to know this because everybody knows you need to work hard to be successful. But what is working smart, right? What is the first 90 minutes? Your mentor is not going, you're not going to see your mentor at the first 90 minutes of their day and what got them ready when they put on their clothes to come out to go to work and or to change lives. What happens the first 90 minutes of these successful people's day? What happens the last 90 minutes? What are the things they did when they were 20 that they no longer do when they were 40? Or what are the things they did when they were 20 and they make sure they do? Because I was trying to understand how to be more productive. The Damon John at 20 years old could sleep two hours or three hours a night and could run around a certain way and donate everything to work. Yeah. That's not the same name as John at 48 years old. So I started to hear this information from people. I said, I have to put this down because everybody is uh, talking about business and selling more or reducing costs and the numbers, but nobody's talking about so much of the other essence of business that you that is personal that you need to learn. And- One of the things that came out of it is as I was talking to Wendy Williams and so many other people about their health, the fact that they concentrated on their health and they asked the question, why, 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 why? Just like in business, if you're in business and you see a problem, why? How can we fix it? How can we go into social media? How can we convert our dollars? Why? Why is this not working? A lot of people weren't asking that about their health, but the successful people in this book were and I would later on find out, find out that I had stage 2 cancer in my thyroid due to these tips and finding out that I need to find out more about my body. And that that really was what you led me to knowing. You mean this book
0: saved your life?
1: Well, I don't know. It, it, it got me early detect. it got me – it got me to the point where I was able to detect something that was existing in my body for five years, even though I was going to the doctor and getting my annual physical and all those other things. But I wasn't feeling right. And I knew that thyroid issues ran in my family a little bit. So I went and got an executive physical. And while checking the veins on the side of my neck, I forgot the cartary veins or whatever you call them to see if they were clogged. They they discovered the nodule on my thyroid that after I took it out later on, they, they tested it. It was stage two cancer. And I wouldn't have been so proactive about my health if I didn't see that going through these interviews with so many people that that was the number one thing that they took care of in their lives. Oh, man. And I'm cancer-free now, so I want to make sure that everybody knows that, and that's why I shared it with people.
0: This book gets even more important every second. Yeah. Now, the idea of waking up in the morning and getting straight to exercise or doing something that where you're thinking about your body. Yeah. Is that something that
1: really comes through in this book? Well, what comes through in this book are basically everybody says the same thing, but they go about it in different ways. Now, exercise may not be the same thing. If you're not a morning person, it may not be what they do in this book. But I'll give you an example. What I find in this book, and I've shared with people that I that – The people are extremely selfish, successful people like myself are extremely selfish in a good way, though, in a way like being, uh, you know, the way what I've been telling people, the best way to break this down is Michael Jordan didn't go to everybody else's practice to cheer them on. He practiced his butt off first so that he can be the best contribution to the team. And when people, uh, you know, in this book, they'll wake up and there's a couple of things that they all have in common. Number one, whether you're the kid Tyler the Creator, the Grammy-nominated Tyler the Creator, or you're Santana, or you're Kyle Maynard, who climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and he has was born with no arms and no legs, and he climbed it with no prosthetics, any of these people in this book, what they do is, they, first of all, they find a place of gratitude and gratefulness when they wake up they make sure that they give acknowledgement to whether it's their god or their family or their friends whatever the case is and it sets them on a right path of not thinking about what problems are going on today and tomorrow or yesterday mm-hmm. Number two is uh, a lot of them do simple techniques like they won't answer emails for the first hour of the day. They'll send out emails, but they won't answer them because they feel that as soon as they open up that phone, whether it's for social media or answering answering emails, they're giving their power away to everybody else. And they're solving everybody else's request and or uh, things that they need done in life. They'll send out emails and a buddy of mine, Chris Sackett, will always say that his uh, his uh, inbox is his defense, his outbox is his offense. So he makes sure he sends out everything else. They'll also schedule time on the personal matters of their life, their family and their health. They'll schedule time on their family. I need to... You know, I was sitting out before I talked to you. I need to put my daughter to bed every single night on, uh, you know, technology has allowed me to have a, a FaceTime with my little daughter, Minka, every night to put her to bed. I need to call my mother to tell her I love her today, tomorrow, and the next day. Because what happens is we allow everybody else to dictate our time. We need to be here when the train leaves, here for this office meeting, here for this reservation at 830 at dinner, and we don't schedule the time with the important people in our lives. And then we say we'll get to it, we'll get to it, we'll get to it, But we don't get to it, you know. And these are the selfish things that these individuals do to maximize their life and their day. Because if you wake up in the morning, answer everybody's email, kiss your husband or wife goodbye and say, I'll see you later. And you you get home in their sleep. Then you go in the car and you turn on the news and the world blew up again. Then you get to the office and you're solving everybody else's problems then you come home and you're dealing with the you know the the reality the kids are late for school they're sick that the, 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 you lose track of who you are
0: it's amazing you say this because about 4 or 5 months ago i actually sat down and looked at my days and i realized i was giving 5 hours of every day to others yeah. which is a beautiful thing yeah. but it makes me realize i need this book even more because you you got to protect your own health you, and if if you want to protect your family and
1: 100%. and you know as 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 you know we we go through our careers and there is no one point you get to a life and you you are a master of everything. You know, if uh, you know if Bruce Lee was still alive, he was a master of karate at thirty five years old. But the same mastery of kung fu and karate was going to be different techniques at 70. He's not going to have the same muscle retention. He's not going to have the same speed. He's Correct. not going to have the same strength. So to fight at that age and be a master, it's a total different game. It's like when Ali was stripped of his uh, title and he was put in jail, he came out, he was not the same Ali. What He had to learn the rope-a-dope to beat Foreman. He had to master something different. And throughout That's our right. lives of being masters of our universe, we're the only ones with the operation manual, right, to, to ourselves. We have to learn different Ways to master it. So that's why I created the book because you'll see in there there'll be a hundred ways to be more effective throughout the day. And what I hope people will take from it is they'll either go, bang, I'm doing this right. I'm on the right track. Or, you know what? Here's five things I want to practice. You know what? Two of these five don't work for me. Three of these five don't work for me. Wait a minute. This one is smoking. This works for me. Um, and, And that's what I wanted to put in the book. So from everything you're saying, I'm seeing
0: an evolution in my own life. Whereas I've been writing for the last 40 years. Yeah. Now I'm speaking. Yeah. Now I walk to airports. People recognize me by my fedora. Uh-huh. And by my stylish shirt. Sure. And I've never had a sense of style before. Right. But, but I got a problem now. Right. that And I'm hoping you'll help me solve through Rise and Grind. But it's a little tricky. Okay. At least for me. All right. So I always just wear baseball caps and T-shirts, had no sense of fashion.
1: hmm
0: None. hmm In fact, I traveled around the world for 10 years without a home. hmm And I looked like a vagabond. Right. Because the idea was people would look at me and, oh, I don't want to rob that guy. He ain't got nothing. Right, right, right. So, and if a woman was attracted to me, mm-hmm. it wasn't because of a car. It wasn't because Who it looked like are. it had uh. money. It was because of me. Sure. So I felt very comfortable with that. Okay. Okay. So now I'm in a position where I'm out in front of people. Yeah. And things started to happen. I hang around with Larry King. We go to breakfast mm-hmm. every morning. Mm-hmm. And I noticed this shirt. And this shirt, as you're seeing right in front of you, has like little stitching mm-hmm. down my left side and my right side, so that it looks like suspenders, mm-hmm. just like Larry. Uh-huh. Poor man's suspenders. Right. So I started wearing these shirts because Larry's helped me out a lot, and it felt great. And then I got a hat, fedora, to match the shirt. Okay. And so all of a sudden, people are noticing it. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. I was buying all these shirts from the same company.
1: Mm -hmm. Is that BC Ethic?
0: Uh, This is uh, Cuba Vera. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And now I'm starting to notice that they're not really making this style of shirt anymore.
1: Well, it's a bowling shirt. I mean, it's a traditional bowling shirt. Um, But go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. It looks good. With a
0: a a little Latin feel, it makes me feel like I'm in the tropics. Yeah, yeah. So now here's the question. I need... To come up with these shirts because I want them to have the stitching down the side so that they honor Larry's suspenders. Right, right? right, right? But I'm not finding them. Right. So now this opens the door. Do I try to create my own sense of fashion in a shirt, or is this completely ridiculous?
1: Why would that be ridiculous? You're talking to a man who went through the same thing, and that's how I uh, became who I am today. Um, And it starts off small. It starts off the power of broke. You go to uh, some type of tailor, and you make five or six of them, and you wear them yourself, and you feel how you like them, you know, and you'll start to— correct them accordingly to what you like. You may want lighter fabric, heavier fabric, different linen. You may want some wrinkle-free because you travel a lot and you want, don't want to have to be stressed out with the iron and things of that nature. You may want some where the stripes are more a silk embedded in, where it gives them more of a shine or a gloss, right? Like that. And so you, you do all those and you start trying. I mean, before you know it, you know what's going to happen? Your friends are going to start asking you, can you make some? And you may say, hey, you know what? I'll run off 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 and you'll lower the cost of it. And you just never know where you gonna you know, go from there. But even if you don't sell any, th- that's the beauty of entrepreneurship, right? You're doing it because you want it yourself. It's not just this theory of, I need to make some money. It's because you value it, you want it, and you're excited about it. And it, you know, and, and that's how it starts. And before you know, you blink your eye and 10, 15 years will go by and you'll be dressing the entire world. You never know how it goes, I man. You, just, you, you yeah, Listen, well, I thought I was gonna own maybe a boutique. That was all I hoped for, that I would own a boutique one day and my friends and I would be able to sell and make a couple of dollars to feed our families. I never thought I'd go around the globe and have $6 billion of sales and, and create a brand that was, uh, you know, that, that the four letters are known globally. Was, I was just having fun.
0: Okay, but you have a sense of style. There had to be a moment in your life when you were young that you knew yeah, I got a sense of style here.
1: I did have a sense of style when I was a kid. Um, How old did you, when you first knew that? Well, my mother dressed me really great, but I but but because of hip-hop, I had a sense of style right around 11 and 12 years old because hip-hop came with a way to walk, talk, and dress. And um, uh, I, I was styling because of that. Um, but I didn't think at any time at that age that I could make my own brand because we just thought... The designers from heaven just made things and we purchased it. We never thought that we could empower ourselves and actually make it ourselves. And so it would take me until the age of 20 years old to then walk around and I saw this uh, brand named Carl Kanai by this young man and he looked just like me. And I said, wait a minute. Why? why we can do this. We can I thought that you had to be French and, and you know, <laughs> you know just very flamboyant and, 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 and you had to go to all kinds of schools. To, you know and, and I was like, wait a minute. No, we can do this. I can do this myself. And, um, and what, what was the
0: next step from that moment where you saw that? How long did it take you to
1: say, I'm going to do it? Well, so it started very similar to what you're saying about your stuff. I went out and I bought a couple of sweatshirts that I liked. And I sewed the word FUBU. on. I got some tapeta labels. I think they cost me a couple of hundred dollars, uh, maybe a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars. And I just sewed them over whatever label was on the clothes, Champion or whatever. And I just started wearing it myself. My friends was like, what is that? Um, and then the day that I decided I'm actually going to make clothes and sell them, because if I bought, bought Champion, right, I would buy it at its, its cost, right, $30. I couldn't sell it at 50 because everybody knew that was a Champion sweatshirt. It was $30, right? So right. It's, but I decided on Good Friday, it was 1989, I decided Good Friday, 1989, there was these hats that I that I really liked. They looked like a ski cap, but with a tie on the top. And I sewed a bunch of hats. I sewed 80 hats that day. And I would stand out on the corner on Good Friday, 1989, at three o'clock in the afternoon, and I would try to sell that bag of hats that I had. I had 80 hats. And in one hour, I sold $800 worth of hats. And that is when it said, bang. I said, wait a minute. I made these hats with my hands. I stood on this corner and I sold them to people and whether they bought it for 10 or 20 or 5, it was my ability to sell these hats and I now have the money. Nobody is in my way. I am the creator of my destiny and nobody can stop me. And and that's what happened.
0: What was it like selling that first batch of hats? was it a lot of conversation and sales or did people just see the hats and think got to have that
1: no it was no it was um you walk up to 10 people and one person would buy
0: Oh, you were walking up
1: to them. Oh, I was standing on the corner. Right. This is a Coliseum Mall in Jamaica, Queens, very busy area. And I would just stand out there all day walking up to them. Hi, how you doing? You want to buy a hat? What kind of hat? Oh, man, this is called a fool Hat and it's really great. And da-da-da. I don't know whatever my sales pitch was. Oh, man, it matches your sneakers or it matches your bag or your son <laughs> would love this or Whatever it is, and uh, you know, hey, I'm gonna be here all day. If you if you don't like it, and you know, you really don't want to come back, I'll give you back your money. You know, I giving them any and all options to buy the hat.
0: Now, this had to always be inside you.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: And it where all. did this come from?
1: Well, this came from you know being a mom. It came from you know watching my mother sell things all day and work two and three jobs always ha always have a day job but always have a side thing to do whether she would buy clothes from uh you know uh, uh some kind of a uh, place where they sell a lot of clothes and she would then you know portion it off and go and sell it herself dresses at work or whatever the case is um and uh you know it, it came from seeing her always uh always active always working and it also came from the need of saying I don't want mom to have to work and buy buy things for me. I don't want her to work three jobs. I want to be able to contribute. I'm a man. Uh, you know, even though I was, whatever, 10, 12, 14 years old, I was like, that's my mother and my, my, my parents got divorced. So I, who wants to see that mother work that hard, you know?
0: You did something that I loved. In fact, I know exactly where you do it, because my grandmother lived on Parsons Boulevard in Queens.
1: Ah.
0: And so you buy a 79 Ford van. Yep. Seats what? About 15, 15 people. Fifteen people, uh-huh. And you're yeah. riding up and down this boulevard yep. and basically undercutting the costs of the city buses.
1: Yeah. Picking people up. Pick people up, take them to the subway for a dollar uh, at the time, and then they get off. And, you know, the people come, come on and off too. So a good run, I would go all the way from Parsons all the way down to to uh, Rosedale, Rockaway, and then all the way down to Rockaway. I would do a run that can be an hour long. You can make uh, uh, $80 – no, sorry, about $40 on a good run because people coming on and off. It's just like the bus. Uh, I, I would do that with my van, and then I would also, you know, during the weekends or when it was slow, I would go and take all the seats out of the van and fill it full of T-shirts or super soakers and go to the beach and try to sell, uh, sell water guns or anything else like that, anything that I could to, to to bring in a buck.
0: How much did you learn about sales from having 12, 13, 14 people in your van? I guess you were talking with them yeah.
1: continuously. I learned, I learned that you have to build a community of followers because I wasn't the only van there. There was probably 100 vans, but some people would wait for my van because oh. they wanted to be there 7.30 in the morning. They wanted to ride with me. With the People Shark. The People Shark, right? <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I learned um, also I learned a lot of things about business. I learned that, you know, uh, by the time I turned around three, four years in, um, I, I I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't saving a lot of money because I had to pay for the maintenance of the van, the Department of Transportation, uh, uh, all the things like that. And I didn't have a, a the van wasn't new. Um, so I learned that you can work hard and not smart, you know, because, uh, so, so there's so many different things, aspects I learned about every single business that I had opened or tried to do. How much does having
0: learned to communicate with people before the time of the internet helped you? Because there's a whole generation of people that will never have that. They're, they're on their mobile devices and even if they decide to rent the van and, and do that, maybe the people in the back of the van are looking at their mobile devices. Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, if they don't learn to do it, that's going to be the one thing that's going to hurt them because as, as phones and cars and homes get smarter, human interaction is going to be of more value. Right? And a lot of people don't realize whether you get an investment on Shark Tank or you walk through the door and you give somebody your resume, after that, it's going to be can I stand you? And it's going to be how we communicate, because I'm going to sit next to you for eight hours a day for the next five and 10 years. And if I can't stand your guts, then I'm not going to want to be around you. Uh, so communication is extremely important. And people are masses of communication in various different ways now. They're just communicating on social media and they're finding you and they're finding your hot buttons and everything else to talk to you about. but. Communication, to me, is by far the most important thing. It's the only thing that separates us from the animals, right? And as you're growing any kind of business or anything you're doing, the biggest thing to do is create a community, a community of people who are going to go out and talk about you. We're pack animals. We love to be part of a movement. And communication is by far the most important thing. And, and you know, I think people don't value it as much as they should. It's interesting there's behavioral scientists who say that communication
0: is 10% the actual words, 30% tone of voice, 60% body language. Now, before we started talking here, we were outside, we were joking around, and you said something, and you were looking at my body language Mm -hmm. to see what kind of guy I was. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if the people being born now are losing some of that Mm -hmm. because... They're just taking everything in through, say, the words of a text. Mm-hmm. And what might this do to them?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's challenging. I think you bring up a very valuable point. I think, though, that a lot of people are starting to communicate um, where I think the text is going to be part of it. But a lot of things are going to be voice and a lot of things are going to be visual. I mean, YouTube is obviously you're looking at a person's body language on YouTube and things of that nature. But, you know, um, There are going to be many that are going to rise above and understand how to maximize this communication. And there are going to be some that will have to learn that throughout a period of time. But uh, communication and body language, I think, is still going to be way more important than anything else.
0: How – when you interview somebody for a job, how much time do you spend listening as opposed to
1: speaking? I generally try to – Communicate like my face is built, the old saying of, you know, I have two ears and one mouth, listen twice as much as I speak. I I generally try to do that. Um, Some of the keys of listening is, first of all, let people get everything out because the most important thing or the most important aspect of what they're trying to communicate usually comes in the last four words. It's, It's not in the beginning. Um, I do watch body language. I study hypnotherapy for quite some time. And, you know, so I do study and watch body language, whether people are putting devices in front of them as they're speaking to you, their legs are crossed or their arms, whatever the case is. Do they touch you when they're speaking to you? It's very hard to lie to somebody when you touch them you know, when you're in, throughout communication. So there's some of those things that I look at as, as uh, you know, especially with females. Females have, you know, 17 pantomimes and things of that nature. And, you know, my, my analysis of people are not always on, but it's very easy to spot certain things when you're communicating with them.
0: How long ago did you start to study this?
1: I studied that when I was really just like uh, I was about twenty years old. I didn't go to college, and I said I needed to gain as much knowledge as I could. So I would read various books, like you know the you know stories on uh, Genghis Khan or on uh, uh, hypnotherapy, on um, uh, subliminal advertising and marketing, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill, and a lot of other a lot of other things that I needed to try to educate myself about. So this was in you for a long long time. I was curious, man. I was curious, but I was in a dark place, you know. I was at a place where most of my friends were dead or in jail because crack had devastated my community at the age of uh, you know, when 86 when it came around. Um Was that
0: when your mom took out uh, yeah. the loan? Yeah. My
1: mother took out a loan on the house right to just to to watch me, you know, to and um and because it was a very dangerous time in my neighborhood and I felt like I felt like I thought I was so smart, but I turned around and most of my friends are dead or in jail. I'm working at Red Lobster. I don't have an education. I d- got left back in school and I said I'm not as smart as I think I am. And I started to really try to absorb as much information I could from mentors as well as anything that I could pick up and read. You know, That's why I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins and, and Jay Abraham and all those great uh, – Brian Tracy, all those people that wrote You know, so many great amazing things that I can go and, and – and, and dive into. Did getting left back help you in any way? Getting left back helped me a lot, not in the way that I thought. You know, so my parents were going through their challenge and they were getting divorced and I, I was going to Catholic school at the time. Um, and I figured that if I acted up, my parents would stay together. Classic, classic. Uh, stay together. So, uh, My my parents got divorced. Uh, my father Leo. I never see or speak to him again. My mother said to me, you know, um, I can't afford Catholic school anymore. And I remember the nuns saying, hey, you know, we know Damon's going through a challenging time. If he just passed this last test, and it's really easy, this test, he'll be able to pass, you know. And um, I made sure I got a 30 on that test.
0: Oh, then, man. So
1: then my nuns say to my mother— This is a clear, classic case of him rebelling for a reason, and we know he's smart. We're not going to damage this kid's life and leave him back in school. And my mother said, yes, you are. You are going to leave him back. He's going to be left back. And then she said to me, by the way, I can't afford Catholic school anymore. You're going to go to a public school up the block, and you're grounded for the whole summer. So I said, first of all, that's not going to happen. My mother will never put me in that public school because I'm told that a kid is shot every day. I mean, there must be 350 deaths in that school annually, right? Uh, they eat their young there. It's not it's not happening, right? This is a, you know, they, they're crawling around on all fours at that school. No way in the world would she put her lovely little Damon in there. Oh, then I said, and by the way, my mother's working two jobs. She doesn't have time to watch me. I'm going to have as much fun as I would like this summer. Oh, man. Do you know what this woman did? Oh, man. This woman gets a third job to hire a babysitter to watch me. I'm stuck in the house the whole damn summer, and I end up in that damn public school getting beat up every day. And my mother, so what, what I realized at that time was the buck stops at you. My mother made it, made it very clear to me that she wasn't going to save me, my dad wasn't going to save me, and responsibility is all of myself, and, 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 and that's it. There, there was, there's nobody in the world that was going to save me, inclusive of my mother, for the actions that I took.
0: Creating a website is like creating a new look for your entire image. This is a whole new world for me. And that's why I go to Squarespace.com just to see what's possible. Last time I hit Squarespace.com, I saw a full-screen photo of this guy zooming down a desert highway on a motorcycle. All alone... Only, he was standing on this motorcycle. You know all you need to know about him from that one image. And you know all you need to know about how beautiful you can make your website when you customize it with Squarespace. So go to squarespace.com, use the offer code Fussman F-U-S-S-M-A-N, to get 10% off a new website or a domain name, you'll never be the same. There is no better way for me to tell you about ZipRecruiter on this particular episode than to tell you that my guest uses it. Millions of business owners would love to get on Shark Tank and get the help of the sharks to advance their businesses. Think about how many people approach Damon John in airports all over the world and ask him for help with their business. Well, if anyone asks him about hiring, you know what he's going to say? Zip Recruiter. That's because anyone with a job opening can go to ziprecruiter.com, type in the job opening, and with a single click, they'll get qualified candidates. In a single day. It's the smartest way to hire. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash fussman, F-U-S-S-M-A-N, and make it your lucky day. How did she respond when Fubu starts taking off? I mean, she's gone through these trials and yeah. tribulations. And now she's saying, "Hey, he just sewed some hats, yeah. went out, sold eight hundred dollars worth in a day, and now look at this."
1: She, uh, she's always supportive. She was the one who, you know, I, I remember bringing her, uh, you know, to Samsung when I uh, got my deal with them, and they said, "You know, you brought your mother to your to the meeting." I was like, "Yeah, uh, what's the problem?" Right, she's my role dog. That's my mom. <laughs> hey, but you know she didn't baby me either. You know the the story is out there of, of the three hundred thousand dollars I had uh, in orders. Of my mother had um, uh, you know, taken a second equity you know mortgage to 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 help finance it. But she wouldn't have just gave me that money. She. I have $300,000 in orders, and she gave it to me as a loan, just like a banquet, right? Because it wasn't, I'm going to baby you. It was, you know, this is all we have, and I'm going to take this shot because I've seen you working on this thing for nine years. You know, No, maybe about six years at the time. So uh, – just, you know, like most people that I have um, been able to work with and see who are successful, usually, it almost always, has been their mother or grandmother. No, taking nothing away from dads, you know what I mean? But really, mothers have been a big, big driving force in most of the successful people that I have um, have have met and or interviewed.
0: You know, you tell a great story in Power Broke about what happens right after you make that deal with Samsung. Cause Money's coming in, yep. but it's money that you need to produce your product. Mm-hmm. It's you don't have any extra money mm-hmm. for marketing or uh, right, and you have this idea, and, and this is going to lead to my next question. Sure. Okay, I want to put up billboards,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and billboards is a great way for everybody to see it, right? But not really cost effective, right? Right. So. You figure out an amazing way to create your own billboards. Yeah. Why don't you tell everybody about it, and it'll lead to my next question.
1: So, again, power broke. I, I had to use my resources, which, you know, your resources, OPM could be other people's money, marketing, manpower, power, manufacturing. And I noticed that all the bus stops had billboards, and I started uh, you know, call around and ask, and these billboards were, you know— a month or something of that nature. But I noticed that in the neighborhood, you have nasty graffiti in some areas and you have these old, old storm gates that are pulled down, these security gates. I would then go and talk to all the store owners and say, hey, I'm a little company from, you know, from the hood. And, you know, we, you know, you're in the neighborhood making, you know, you know, doing good business with us and all of us. And these gates are nasty. Is it possible that I can whitewash them? I'm going to paint them. I'm going to maintain the the upkeep of just painting them really beautifully. And I want to put on there, if possible, authorized FUBU dealer. You know, at on top of the gates. So I painted the oh, three hundred of these gates from New York all the way up New Jersey. I could paint about three a night if I could, and I, I and I painted them over the course of three years. Authorized FUBU dealer. I didn't care if they were just selling Chinese food. They were authorized food dealers as far as I was concerned, as far as everybody else was concerned. And uh, when people would pass by, you know, later on, they would do the analysis on on these gates. But they will pull down usually during morning rush hour, right? No Chinese stores open at 730 in the morning, generally. And sometimes during the winter, during evening rush hour, a lot of these other stores were closed. And so if they were billboards, technically that would have been about $3 million worth of billboards over the course of these years. And uh, it was just me trying to think outside the box and, and utilize, you know, the things that are closest to me.
0: You can't learn to think that way, can you?
1: I mean, I'm listening to you say that. I think you can it, I think it's common sense. I think I think a lot of times we are so dependent on other people selling us insecurities that we can't do things. It's common sense, you know. You, you know people don't trust their gut. You know I remember when I was MTV was um was uh when i first started making money i, I think i put it in a book when m t v was charging uh six or seven thousand dollars for a thirty second commercial um and b e t was charging uh seven hundred dollars you know black entertainment television right they both played music videos right um, now I, I know my demo. I, I was I was hitting primarily African Americans or kids who love hip hop. I know that every household that I went to, BET just played all day, like you know just one channel all day. MTV for those type of videos, you can catch it on MTV, you can catch it on VH1, you can catch it on various various things. And I remember saying to myself, you know, how is the rating system? How? And they would say, well, this is called Nielsen rating. And I said, well, how do they rate? How do how do they know how many people watching? Well, you know, they they kind of go to the house where they have cable, and they you know they they see how many people are watching. So if you look at MTV, MTV's hitting a million people, BET's only hitting a hundred thousand. I said, all right, I I get it now. Common sense says that every projects I've been to, everybody has cable and nobody's paying for it, right? The family and the household and the projects are generally five and ten people. BET's on all the time. I'm not going to pay $6,000 for this because they ain't no Nielsen rating boxes in the hood. So I paid oh, – I took the same money that I would have used in uh, MTV and I got 10 times more of the value because I just used common sense. Because I won on BT, and it ended up becoming way more successful than, than MTV. It's just – it's common sense sometimes. Sometimes you just got to just sit back and ask yourself why.
0: Okay. This is going to lead to my next question but I got to set it up. Because I went to college to be a journalist, and basically we were told, hey, you love doing this, you love being a writer, great. You get a job, you're going to get a salary, it's going to take care of you, do what you love, yeah, great life. Yeah. One thing you can't do, you cannot cross the wall. And go over to the side of the people who are working to bring in the money that pays you. If sales. You, that's right. Sales, marketing, advertising. If you cross over the wall and go to that place, you're dead. It's over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You will never be trusted again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You will be shamed. You're done. Mm-hmm. Toast. Now... To you, that must sound like it's ridiculous.
1: Well, were they saying that because they're saying the integrity of what you are writing would be compromised? That's right. That's right. what they're saying. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that was a different time, right? That's, that's right. A way and, different time.
0: And, and this is the point. So now we, we jump ahead decades, and I'm living in a different world, only I still got this thing in my head. Do not cross the wall or you will die. Do not... And, now I got across the wall, and so I realized there's no more wall there. Okay, Correct. okay, there's no wall, mm-hmm. but I'm not thinking the way you're thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at those that same grating that is down in front of a store and saying, "Man, that would make a great billboard."
1: Because if you you know if you're if you're providing quality to people. Normal people don't mind you getting paid to keep the lights on, you know. They they don't mind, you know. You know, and and, and today's society we see it. If you look on Instagram, every beautiful girl that's on Instagram is holding up uh, a protein shake, you know. Every other two days, or whatever cases. You look at the Kardashians, you know, they're doing this, and people can people understand you got to pay the bill. And being a journalist, somebody who can who's a master of communication, you can communicate it as well. You know, it's 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 very simple, and especially being somebody who is seasoned like like you are, people will know that your body of work is here, right? Your body of work is forty years in. Did you just all of a sudden become a scumbag today? Because you know, <laughs> it, you understand what I'm saying. So it's right. like, why not? Like I'll give you an example. My you know my podcast is out, and I um I a ZipRecruiter sponsor my podcast, my right? Sponsor of, too, of course, okay. right? And mid roll and these amazing people, but. I believe in the person. I wouldn't have taken and or worked with them if I didn't believe in ZipRecruiter. Actually, after I did it, I put several ads on ZipRecruiter because of how effective it was. And if I'm telling people rise and grind, but ZipRecruiter is the company that gets you the best employees that know how to rise and grind, it makes sense. Now, would I have put tobacco? No. I would not. I don't believe in that. Right? Would I have put something that's misogynistic? No, I don't believe that. That's not the Damon John I am. I would never do that. So people can appreciate if it's it on brand with who you are, and they know that, you know, this is this is called collaboration a lot of times, right? There are two different forces coming together to bring value, and that's all it is.
0: Man, I'm so glad you you brought this up to me. And for, for a lot of people listening, they may say, how can Cal not understand that, right. especially you're under 25 and you don't know the way the world used to work used to because, be, yeah. you know back in the 60s if you were a musician a young musician you would not advertise with a big
1: company you, you forget it oh the rappers is called in the hood is called keeping it real it, you're not keeping right. it real you got what it. the hell is keeping it real you're a sellout well, I tell you the honest truth. That's what you're in business to do: sell out, right? <laughs> it's, I don't have any inventory. I sold out. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, it's the world is a different time, and people, pe- there's transparency. People see through other people when they're doing good, and you know whatever the case is, and 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 they need to they need to do things to operate a business. Everybody is a brand, and they have to be able to operate and survive.
0: Okay, so help me rise and grind here, because I'm, I'm with you 100% of the way, even to the point where I went through the same process with ZipRecruiter, right. where other companies offered to sponsor the podcast, and I said no. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, ZipRecruiter is a company that all you got to do is put your job description in, mm-hmm. a click, and within 24 hours, you're going to have qualified candidates. right? But- What ZipRecruiter does is it's the science that gets those people to you. Once Mm -hmm. those people are in your computer, Mm -hmm. it's up to you to hire them. Correct. So that's like the left hand, and I realized I'm like the right. Mm -hmm. I ask questions to bring out the character of people in order to figure out, are they the right person? Mm -hmm. All right? I know I have this skill. I know I can help a company decide who the best candidate is to fill a certain seat. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I go about like letting people know what what are my billboards that I can create in the hood or elsewhere where we're taking over a a grating in front of a store and painting it and putting a brand on it so that people understand that cuz i i really don't know how do we get this
1: out? Well, it becomes it becomes you know how proud are you of your product, and how can you go out there and get testimonies from companies, corporations that would normally pay people a massive amount of money, but you're going to go out there and do it for them for proof of concept, whether free or various other reasons. So, first of all, it doesn't cost them anything. You get to show your show them your skill, and again, it's going to go back to you if you deliver. Because if you suck, you know there's a, there's, there's going to be a different issue, right? You got to close shop, right? Um, how can you add value to people that will give you the opportunity and say, okay, get me these type of people, source these type of people, and then get them to do testimonies and call their friends and say, hey, listen, he got me who I needed. I have, you know, I've been so more productive there or he added value to me. But you have to make it easy for somebody to want to give you this shot. It's almost like when people come to me and they say, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. And why don't you pay me to do this? I go, well, the the – the, the line for people I need to invest in and pay to do a job, it starts here and it ends at the Brooklyn Bridge. But if you would like to stand <laughs> on this other line, which is show me what you could do first if you're so proud about it. By the way, it's not free for me because I have to now take time, energy, and or if I'm giving you this opportunity, I can't give it to somebody else that may be just as good. So I'm investing something in you. It's not hard dollars. Just
0: by listening. Just you're by listening me and time. doing
1: this thing because you could be an absolute – a nut and you may hurt something I'm doing. So I'm going to invest this in you and show me and 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 often they've come and over provided for me. 80% of my staff started off as interns. 80%. The president of my company sitting in the other room is it was started off as an intern. I've had great people come over there who have been experts in their industry and they've said, "My industry has imploded. I want to come over and bring value to you." Okay, well, uh give me some give me 30 days, 40 days. Do something for me at a minimum cost because you can't, obviously, if you're not an intern getting college credit, you can't, obviously, uh, uh, do anything for free, right? That's illegal, the labor laws. But at, do something at a price that you would normally have never done it. These are people who may have made a quarter million dollar a- annual salaries who come back and say, all right, I'm going to do something for $3,000 for the entire month, right? If you really quantify that, that would be a $36,000 uh, annual salary. Right. But then they overprovide so much that I said I can't live without you. Where the hell have you been all my life? So you have to be able to overprovide for anybody. What's in it for the target that you are hitting and how can you overprovide for it to make that entry, that threshold easy for them to, to for them to uh to give you the shot and then you'll have testimonies.
0: And so really it's not much different in a way from you out on that street corner with the hats where you're going up to people and saying, "Check this out.
1: Overprovide for somebody." Give, it, give them no reason to say no to you. Give, hey, whether it's money back or whether it's I'll do it for free or give me one shot at this or, or whatever the case is. That's the be, you know, Let's look at marketing, right? Everybody always says, send it back in 30 days. If you don't like it, you ain't never sending that thing back, <laughs> right? So, uh, But if it's yeah. good, you're not sending it back. If you open the box and it's crap, you're going to send it back right away, right? But if you say you're going to use it and if you don't use it, no problem, you don't send it back.
0: How much of what you learned has come from being in business and how much from sitting in the chair at Shark Tank?
1: Well, I I think that I'm constantly learning, so I learn every day. And I think that, um, you know, that's a very tough question because I've never been asked that before. Most of the fundamentals that I've had walking into the tank 10 years ago, I had already because I went through ups and downs and failures and successes in business. So the fundamentals I've always had, it's just the new applications being done today because technology, you know, there wasn't a, Facebook was one year old, I think, when Shark Tank started. There was no Instagram. There wasn't a whole bunch of other platforms. Um, We weren't communicating in various different ways, right? So, So, I've learned a lot of new ways to to add the fundamentals of business to to what I currently do but i, I knew a good portion of the fundamentals what's the best thing you've learned from Shark Tank um I don't know if there's a best thing um I've learned you know I, i've learned I've learned to embrace technology and um, a lot of people you, you know you, you, may, you may say or a lot of people listening are like what is he talking about No, really embrace technology and to understand that if you aren't taking advantage of technology and learning it, it's not going to go away. And this is not just some silly thing that you look at stupid videos on YouTube. It is the way of the world and it is going to change the entire world. So you have to start because, listen, if the number one job for males in this country are driving heavy machinery and trucks and everything's going automated, there are not going to be any more jobs in that area You know, in a couple of years. Right? Check, out,
0: check out this fact. I just heard this the other day. In 29 states... The top job, most employed position is driving yeah. a truck or sure. something. Basically all those jobs are gonna be gone in They're a gone. few years.
1: They're gone. And executive assistants and secretaries are the top job for females, but if you don't understand technology and now everything's getting smarter from your phone to your television, then those jobs are gone. But on the flip side, you understand technology and you use like a service we use where uh, there's a woman who is a, um, she's a virtual assistant she's been doing it for 40 50 years as a regular assistant but now what she does is she stays home with her grandkids and her dogs she sets the hours that she wants to be a virtual assistant you you know she, she she's putting in eight hours a week ten hours a week she's not tracking through the snow she doesn't have to go and deal with some eight holes at work and catch the <laughs> flu and she has the quality of life that she wants to because she mastered te- – she, she, she learned technology applied with the fundamentals of what she's been doing all her life, she's going to have a job, right? The truck drivers are understanding technology and knowing routing and, and, and drayage and all the other different things that they're going to be able to utilize and do coding and stuff like that because they've been on the road because as much as automation comes around, there's going to be other various things that are around. They're going to have a job. But the people who are left by the wayside, uh, you know, who don't study these things, those truck drivers who are not studying, all those stores that are on the routes going up and down the highways, you know, electric vehicles don't need to stop off any place and get a bottle of Yoohoo, right? All these people have to address what's going on in the world. And if you are in the front of it, you're going to be okay. If you're in the back of it, there's going to be blood in the streets. There's going to be problems out there. I feel like you have just grabbed me by the lapels,
0: <laughs> because I ain't exactly Mister Technology, right? And I know I got to rise and grind on this. Yeah. So what's what's my formula? What, which way? What? How do I start?
1: Well, write down your goals. So first of all, you know you're you're an excellent writer. So write down your obituary right now. Are you happy with the obituary that you would have to write about yourself? All right, And then also sit back and say, where do you want to go? Put yourself, you know, put your goals together. I, I put my goals together and it's, it's pretty simple. There are 10 goals. Uh, six or seven of them may expire in six months and the other three expire in five years, 10 years, and 20 years. And where do you see yourself? You're not always going to have the answer on how to get there. You're really not going to have the answer. But you may see yourself in 20 years from now, you may see yourself uh, on a boat in the south of France, right? You're gonna get there one way or another if you keep reading that goal. I read my goals every night before I go to bed and I read them every morning when I wake up. Why? Because it's the last thing I think about when I go to sleep is the first action I take when I wake up in the morning. And I don't just read them. If I wanted to get a new home when I was a kid, I would, uh, you know, as I was reading my goals, I would picture me touching that brass doorknob. When I open the door, the house is warm with music playing and the bread uh, smelling it baking right there. And I hear the footsteps of my beautiful little child running down the steps. And by the way, the dog is barking in the back. They're happy. (laughs) You have to visually see yourself there because you're doing it anyway. But you may not be doing it in a positive manner because a lot of people are seeing that red envelope come home, the emergency cutoff. For the the bills or that email coming in or that they see themselves laying on a bed really, really sick because their health is declining or they see that divorce happening because they're not communicating with their wife and or husband and they're setting those goals mentally. They're not setting or, or they're, they see technology taking over and they're going, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my business. And that technology is too massive for me to learn. And you know what they're doing? They're making sure they're reinforcing that it's too big and too challenging for them to learn. And then they suffer from analysis paralysis. So set those goals that you want to you see yourself accomplish.
0: You know, as you're talking, this is for two years, Tim Ferriss was begging me to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. I was scared, you know why? I was scared about putting the wires in a recorder and talking to somebody and fearing that I wasn't going to get the audio levels right. Yeah. And I get you've just done the best thing that you could possibly do for me. Well, thank you. Because I am I am now going to charge straight into technology. I mean, so try and be fearless
1: about this. Just take a step a day. Just take a step a day and learn something, and it'll start to unfold. And then you're going to learn to add what you did as a, for your entire life just to a different platform. I, you know, the reason why I'm here is to explain to people— that uh, nothing's daunting. It's very simple. There's nothing new in this world again. I joke, but I'm serious. Facebook is a nasty chain letter. Airbnb is still a, a timeshare. <laughs> Uber is a car service, and Snuggie is a blanket with two holes in it. And emojis are called hieroglyphics. There's nothing new. And everybody else who's listening here, they're a master at something, and they just now need to apply it to these new platforms, and they can figure it out. Thank you so much. It is my pleasure. It I feel like pleasure. a new man. And Me too.
0: I'm excited. I hope that uh, I get to see down the tracks
1: and with a, a list of goals in my pocket. I got one goal. I'll read this one right here. I like all these names and that this, what I've learned. I can learn a little bit more. I, I appreciate it. All right. We're
0: going to exchange uh, books here and I'm going to start yours tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. I'm going to take Damon's advice here. He told me to dive headfirst in technology and that's what I'm going to do because this is embarrassing, but I got to admit it. I didn't even know how to subscribe to my own podcast. So, I went to Kevin the manager and I found out and I'm going to tell you How to do it. How do you do it again, Kevin? Oh, oh, okay. So you go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any podcast platform. You search for big questions with Cal Fussman and click subscribe. Sounds pretty easy. And what was that business with the stars? Oh, 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 there's one other thing here. When you do that, you got to scroll down to the review section. And there are these stars there. You're supposed to click like all five of them and then review the podcast. That's what Kevin says to do. So remember, click all five and write a review. Thank you very much. I'll see you down the technological turnpike. All right, let's wrap it up here with a few thank yous. I want to thank Larry King for teaching me about voice. And Tim Ferriss for teaching me about the courage to use it. And now I'm going to add Damon John to the list. Thanks, Damon, for asking me to write my obituary. I think you just added 70 years to my life expectancy. And of course, thank you to Squarespace for allowing everyone to get the most out of themselves and their businesses with a unique and creative website. We're talking art here. Go to squarespace.com, type in offer code FUSSMAN, F-U-S-S-M-A-N, to see exactly what I mean and you'll get 10% off on your website and domain name. You will never be the same. And to ZipRecruiter for allowing every business to fill its job openings with the best possible job candidates. All you got to do is type up the job opening, send it to ZipRecruiter with a single click, and within 24 hours, you will have qualified candidates. Even better, if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Fussman, F-U-S-S-M-A-N, you'll get a free trial. It doesn't get any better than that.